0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammond's ministries, visit cotr.com. When you came in the doors tonight, you came from so many different walks of life, so many different situations, circumstances you're facing. Some of you are, you know, just at the top of your game, and some of you are somewhere right in the middle, and some of you are on the lower side of the game. Some of you are fighting some of the battles that are common to people in the valley of life, and some of you aren't even aware, but you are facing some of the greatest temptations in life because you're at the top of your life. You're at the, you know, on, a, on a mountaintop. There are two great tests. One of them is, what do I do when things are going really 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 bad do I continue to trust God in the bad days but one of the more formidable tests is whenever I don't need anything and things are going really 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 good you know do I trust God in the good days and do I keep him involved and included in my life you will encounter both of those days the Apostle Paul clearly said he said I have been rich and I have been poor he didn't say this, but it should be in parentheses there. I like rich better. Okay, but uh, uh, I, he said, I have learned how to, to be low and I've learned how to abound. He says, but always in all things, I have found that for me, it is Christ and christ crucified so that whether i am at a good day in a good place in life or if i'm at a difficult day in a challenging place in life i know that the answer to all of my tomorrows is jesus christ and him crucified in fact he said i have determined not to know anything among you except the fact that jesus was crucified for me and i am now a child of god how amazing is that we were talking this uh, a couple of nights ago my grandson and i uh, Brenda we were talking rather some deep conversations we we are uh, were, were staying up and just talking about the things of God and the principles of life and eternity and we were talking about the thousand year reign of Christ and we were talking about the tribulation and we talked about you know the the beast and the false prophet and you know talked about the Antichrist and we we we, 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 we talked about you know eternity and what heaven is like and and what's happening there and, and what hell is like and what the lake of fire represents and and you know all all of the, I mean, we were getting into some real deep things, and uh, uh, at, at the end, I, I, I reminded my grandson, you know, that there, there's really only really one real question, and, and that question in my mind, uh, once I answered it, 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 it made everything else, uh, you know, um, some things more relevant and a lot of things less relevant, and that is, was Jesus born of a virgin? Well, if he was, that's kind of the end of the story for me. Then everything else here, I'm going to just absolutely take and run with. And the fact of the matter is, in my heart of hearts, I am convicted that Jesus Christ is the one and the only Son of Almighty God. And this is his word to us. He has given it and preserved it. And, you know, there are some things we can't right now know about eternity. There are some things we can't understand about death my goodness, there's some things I can't understand about life, and uh, but but in and, and I'm living that. But in reality, if Jesus is the Lord of life, he was either savior, or else he was some sick lunatic. He is either Lord or he was a crazy man. There is no in-between. There's no way in the world that Jesus could be a, one of the prophets in some other religion. There is no way. Because he claimed to be the son, the only son of the living God, and that there was no other way to security in eternity except through him. That puts him in lunatic category for any other religion, to belong to any other religion, to be any other you know, teacher or to be respected by anybody else means that that, that they would have to forsake all of their doctrine to believe that Jesus was a good man. He was not a good man. He is either the Son of God or he is a crazy, sick, lunatic, the greatest deceiver that has ever known to mankind, and he is leading people to a false sense of security and dropping them off of the depths of the universe upon their death. He either did not love, did not care, did not hope, either he was absolutely delusional and the worst man who ever lived, Hitler, paling in comparison to him. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Genghis Khan, paling in comparison to how evil Jesus was, or else he was Lord. He is either the Son of God or the most evil demonic satanic lie that was ever told you decide joshua said joshua said listen if you believe baal is god serve him but if you believe jehovah is then you would do well to serve him as for me and my house there is no middle ground jesus christ Is the son of Almighty God the one and only name by which we can and must be saved his word this Bible is inspired by him and true in every account he intends for us to become more like him day by day he has a plan for our lives and when we get born again When we get saved, we begin a brand new life, a brand new journey. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians very, very plainly that once we are born again, the moment that we get saved, the Bible says... Old things in our life pass away and all things become new. That we become new creatures, brand new creations in Christ Jesus. It is an absolute amazing concept for me that that I could be born again. But I was. You see, Adam and Eve were children of God. Now, as a child of God, nothing... Was out from under their power to govern and control God gave them dominion that's what dominion means the right and the power to govern and control the Bible says God gave them dominion over all the works of his hands nothing in fact in Psalms the psalmist David wrote he said Lord what is man that you are mindful of him, of the son of man that you visited him? For you have made him for a time uh, 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 on, on this earth with, with seemingly less abilities than some of your angelic creatures, but yet you have crowned him with glory and honor, and you have made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. Wow. That's what we were made to do. What does dominion mean? The right and the power to govern and control. Now, when when God created Adam and Eve and Eve Adam and Eve Adam and Eve (laughs) he gave them a a singular position in creation it's called my child God made Adam and Eve born by his spirit of course their bodies were created from the dust of the ground okay And then God breathed, the word says, uh, the, the Hebrew word is ruach. God breathed his ruach, his spirit into man and man became a living individual, a living soul with his own thoughts with his own will, with his own feelings, independent. You feel different than the person sitting beside you right now. You are thinking different than they're thinking. You are an individual. You have a different soul than them. You are different than them eternally. And because of that individual soul, Adam and Eve were the children of God and they were perfect. And God's children are the most powerful thing in all of creation. No angel, no demon, nothing has power over a child of God, only God. Do you know we in the New Testament, Jesus identified us as heirs of God. Paul said we are joint heirs with Christ and we are heirs of God. What's an heir of God? That means that you and I are heirs to the throne of God. We are an heir to the throne. It's impossible and it cannot happen. But if God died and then Jesus died and then the Holy Spirit stopped being a spirit and enough people died, you would finally sit on the throne of the universe because you are in the lineage of God. Now think about that. One day, the Bible says, you will reign as kings and priests on the earth. In fact, the Bible says, don't you realize that as a child of God, you will sit in judgment over angels? Can you imagine that? What I'm trying to draw a picture of is how powerful Adam and Eve were created as children of God. When the serpent came into the garden and introduced the idea to Eve that Eve should not believe God should not trust him, but should doubt that God had her best interest at heart. Do you know that the devil could not hurt her and he can't hurt you now? The devil could not make her do anything and he can't make you do anything either. The devil had no power. If the devil would have ever had power over anybody, any man, then the devil would have made them do it. Flip Wilson saying the devil made me do it ain't the truth. If the devil could have made Jesus a sin, he would have made him sin. But the devil doesn't have the power to make anybody do anything. He can only deceive them and lie to them and and try to get them to do something. You see, as a child of God, you can never be defeated by conquest. Only by consent. As a child of God... You can only be defeated by consent. You have to consent to your defeat. That's what Eve did. We see that picture all throughout the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. We see it when the children of Israel came up and they were camped in Midian. And and uh, the the, the Midianites and the Moabites hired Balaam, a prophet, in Numbers 22, to come and prophesy and to curse them. Balaam said, I can't curse them. God's blessed them. And if God has blessed them, I can't curse them for whom God has blessed. I, I, I can't reverse it. But let me tell you what you can do. You can get them to curse themselves. You just move a few tents over there and, you know, set up some uh, pork kebabs. And, 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 and they'll come over and eat them. And, and, and you put some harlots in the tents. And they'll come over and commit adultery. And once they begin to give you consent... Once they give their lives over to your sinful activities, you will have them. The blessings of God will will, will get farther and farther from their lives and they'll walk away from God. But you can't do anything against them. You have no power over a child of God. You have to get them to destroy themselves. In, In fact, in reality, you will never have, Never have a problem in your marriage or in your family or in the church unless the devil can get at least one person to cooperate with him. He's got to find somebody to participate. He has no power. He's like a roaring lion walking about seeking those whom he may devour. Resist him. He can't get you. He has no power. You don't have to be worried about the devil. Jesus wasn't worried about him. The devil showed up to Jesus and tempted him. And Jesus said, get get out of here, man. It's written, I'm not not falling for that. I'm going to live according to the word of God. So let me encourage you to realize that God sees us so much more powerful than we see ourselves. No devil, no demon, nothing can conquer us. We can only be led into deception and delusion and tricked and, and, or somebody can come up and, you know, slap you and make you angry and, 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 and you get vengeful or resentful or someone else. You know, the devil has to find somebody to make you mad or else he's trying to get you to make somebody else mad. Ooh, that's some good stuff. So when we get born again, we become children of God. And we stand in a place where although the devil may tempt us, he may test us, and life may try us, things can happen to us, and it can hurt our feelings, and we can get disappointed, okay, that still the devil still can't make us sin just because we're disappointed or just because something happens that, that, that's beyond our control. We, we have a choice and there's always something we can do in every situation to please God. There's always a way to please God. Whatever you're going through, Whatever happens, whatever circumstance or situation unveils itself in your life or presents itself or, 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 or some difficulty. In this world, you will have tribulation. But when you have it, make sure that you don't walk away from God. That you don't begin to discount God. When things get good, make sure that you don't discount God because we need Him. We're children of God. We need to stay close to God. But no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God said, I'm the one that made the smith. No, listen, no weapon. Uh, This world and the devil cannot make anything that can conquer you spiritually. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things past, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, including angels, shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. I am more than a conqueror. He called me super conqueror. He called you a super conqueror. You have overcome the world. In this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And he says that this is the victory which you walk in. It is your faith in Jesus Christ. Your trust in reality that this word was written as a road map, as, as an instruction. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's, 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 it's our earth booklet. And It's full of instructions. And we must, as we walk in this world, the Bible tells us in the book of Jude even, that your garments can be stained just from walking through this world. The world is, is, the Bible says the world is full of wickedness. We are in a wicked and a perverse generation, but we are supposed to shine like lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. In the midst of wickedness, the world's going to get more and more wicked. We're supposed to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We're supposed to be shining ourselves up and the Bible tells us as well that what we are supposed to do now with, with, with our minds is we are supposed to renovate our minds. That's what the word says in, in, in Romans, the 12th chapter. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. That word renew means to renovate. It means to remodel. God wants us. We're his children. He knows the devil is working overtime. We're supposed to be resisting him. He knows that, 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 you know, we're not going to walk through this world without getting dirty, okay? And we're supposed to keep coming to Him and, and, and getting our robes of righteousness cleansed. 1 John 1, 9, you know, if you sin, you know, confess your sins, that He'll be faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, okay? We're supposed to continue to have our, have our, our, our lives washed in the water of the pure Word of God. We're supposed to brainwash ourselves with a word constantly okay washing out our brain and and washing out you know the Bible says that your flesh you crucify your flesh you renew your mind and you bring your body into subjection to Christ and you say no body you're not going to do that you're not going to participate I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice unto God holy and acceptable it is my reasonable service but no demon can make me do anything I just going to continue to renew my mind to brainwash, to wash my brain with his word and it renews my mind and as it renews my mind the Bible says and I am changed little by little line upon line precept upon precept here a little and there a little it changes me the Bible says until I come into the image of the Son of God that's what God is doing he is committed to bringing us into the image of his dear son now I've got a lot of ways to go but When I cross from this life to the next, I will be changed to be like Him because I'll see Him as He is. But in this life, I'm supposed to be remodeling my mind constantly because there's a battle in the mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 10, verses 4 and 5. It tells us that this is where we win or lose the battle, right here. The Bible says that, that... The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. We don't fight the devil with guns and and with bombs and with spears. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down demons. No. Casting down principalities, no. Casting down the kingdom of darkness, no. What does it say? Casting down imaginations. What? Now, God took a whole section of the Bible to write to us about the imaginations and how our imaginations cause us spiritual problems. Casting down imaginations, jealousy, anger, hatred, wrath, seditions, murderings, drunkenings, revelings, you know, wrath, sedi- you know, casting down imaginations. You see, because this is where the battle is. The spiritual warfare is, is, is not... Just I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't bind in the devil at all. That, that's not the part. It's just this scripture doesn't include that. This scripture means binding your own self. This scripture is about binding your thoughts. Casting down. Pulling down strong. He's talking about strongholds of the mind. Pastor Mike had a stronghold in his mind. You know, I mean, right here. The devil couldn't defeat him. The devil deceived him and planted thoughts and imaginations and he began to imagine things and it captivated his mind. And then whenever he gave his life to Jesus Christ, boom, old things passed away, all things became new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Christ Jesus by himself. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciled the world in himself. A new creature in Christ Jesus. But every step of the way since then, this man has been responsible to continue to remodel his mind. Casting down imaginations, the apostle Paul said, and bringing into captivity every demon. No. Every what? 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 Do you mean that this spiritual warfare that I'm fighting is against my own mind? Yeah. That apostle Paul, he's nutty. I know it's a devil giving me trouble. I know it's somebody else. No, it ain't nobody else. Listen, it's our thoughts and our imaginations. Bringing into captivity every thought. Why? Because no devil can do anything to me. And if he can't get me to participate with him, he can't hold me captive. If, if I don't forgive, who's going into captivity? Me. If I don't love, who is in bondage? Me. (laughs) The devil tries to make us think backwards. This battle is in the mind. The way that we win this battle is that we bring every thought into captivity to Christ Jesus. We we bring our thoughts under submission to the word of God. And we say if if God says that I that that, that I should forgive, then forgive. Because that's what God's word says. If God's word says I should tithe, oh wait. Let me get off that one. If... <laughs> Boy, I slipped that one in there, didn't I? Oh, yeah, that's good preaching. <laughs> okay, well, y'all get the idea. Okay, hey, either that or we step, our, we, we, we pull ourselves out of the blessings of God, like the children of Israel, because they had reasons And they just couldn't imagine doing that. They just couldn't imagine submitting. They couldn't imagine loving and forgiving. They couldn't imagine, you know, they were imagining other things. Okay, you got it. So this is by way of introduction to our new series that we are beginning and what are we calling our new series? We are calling it Home Improvement. Building Better. We're going to be building better marriages. We're going to be building better families we're going to be building better finances there are seven things that that our survey showed that people really wanted to know and we wrestled and wrestled and struggled and wrestled and we came up with at the top seven of what everyone felt like they wanted to know look down through there and 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 bring up the list Uh, on on april the 11th we'll be building better habits okay people wanted to know how do i how do i change my habits I have some habits. You see, uh, Sunday I said it doesn't have to be a bad heart to be a bad habit. We can have bad habits without having a bad heart. But some of us need to change our habits. Maybe it's in in. in maybe you're not disciplined in life. You know, maybe uh, you you're you know you wrestle with quick-temperedness. You know, maybe uh, maybe you're you're maybe life is out of control in some way. Maybe it's a habit. Uh, uh, On the the following week, we'll be talking about building better marriages, then building better finances, how to build financial security in life. There there, there is, listen, each week we're going to take seven scriptures. I'm going to share with you seven solid scriptures, seven pillars from God's word on each one of these so that you can have some, some strong foundation stones in your life whenever we're talking about health, when we're talking about uh, uh, building better leaders. You know, we need to do that with our children, our children's children, investing in others. We need to build better dreams. On, on, On that particular night, building better dreams is the night in May in which it is our graduation night for all of our seniors and all of their families will be here. And that night I'll be sharing on building a better future, building better dreams. How do I take the Word of God? And I'll give you seven things that the Bible says about building a better dream for your life, a better future. Building better families will be our seventh one. And we're going to begin this. Uh, Tonight, to set the stage, uh, let me ask you, if you would, to turn with me to John chapter 2. You know, um, we are in the springtime of the year. It, this is the most exciting time of the year. And the, the most exciting time for the child of God in, in the springtime, the, some of the spring festivals are the most exciting. Passover, for example. Passover is soon approaching, okay? And this year, Passover coincides with Easter and Resurrection Day. I love that when that happens, okay? Uh, Passover for the Jews begins on Friday night at sundown this year, Okay? In that need on March the 30th. Okay? And so Saturday will be the 31st, and then early Sunday morning on the 1st of April, you know, whether you, uh, you know, uh, whatever you may believe, some of you believe that Jesus was crucified on Friday, some of you believe he was crucified on Thursday. You might say, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So, this year, Resurrection Day falls on, on this, in this Passover moment, okay? Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus called his disciples and they began to follow him. For the first, about, about the first six months of his ministry perhaps, they walked with him through the Galilee and he he healed the sick, he cleansed the leper, he raised the dead, he cast out devils and he taught them about the kingdom of God. And then along about this time of the year, in the first year of Jesus' ministry, Jesus takes all of his disciples with him and he goes to Jerusalem for the Passover. Okay? Now he's going to take him again the next year and then that next year, he's going to be crucified, okay, at Passover, about this time of the year, and so when we get to John, chapter 2, this is Jesus having taken his disciples the very first time. He's just teaching these, these new boys. They've been with him about six months and he's teaching them all these things he, and they're just in awe. Everybody's in awe because Jesus has now, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's 30 years old and he has just now revealed himself as this great teacher, this great, and no one's ever heard anybody teach with such authority. In John chapter 2, verse number 13 says this, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip. Now hold on a second. Jesus Jesus didn't just quickly get angry and find a whip somewhere. Jesus sat down and plaited a whip. He had to find some stuff. He looked around. Found some stuff he thought was suitable. It was strong enough, okay? Then he went over and he sat down watching all this and he's plaiting this whip. Mm -hmm. He knows why he's making it. Nobody else does. (laughs) He's he's got this pretty well thought out. He's pretty committed to this thing, okay? What's he committed to? Well, we'll see in just a moment. He made a whip. I, I love that he made it. He made a whip of cords... He drove them all out of the temple. He began to whip people with this thing. Whack, whack, sh-pow, pow Boy, that's my Jesus. He's a little bit committed to this. He drove out the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the changers' money, and he turned their tables over. I wonder what the disciples were doing. We don't know him. No, wait. That was two years later. We don't know him. (laughs) Verse 16. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. I love that. Then his disciples remembered that it was written in the prophets, zeal for your house has eaten me up. King James says, consumed me. He was consumed. Jesus, I I would say Jesus was pretty eaten up with zeal for the house of God. Okay? You see that, uh, ooh, he wasn't happy that the house of God was not clean and in order. Then his disciples remembered, it was written, verse 18, so the Jews answered and said to Jesus, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Come on. Tell us who you are. What gives you the authority and the right? And back then, in in order for you to to have God's authority, you had to be able to do miracles and show me some power. Show me some power. Show me something that, that nobody else can do that makes me believe that you have a right to tell me what to do in the house of God. Well, Jesus answered them and said, Destroy this temple. Now he's standing there in Herod's temple. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 20, then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Verse 21, but Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. Uh, sinners often have no idea what you're talking about okay and some religious folks don't either but they don't have to know what you're talking about when you're talking the truth he was talking about his body being the temple he had wait a second he's just cleansed this other temple he wasn't himself he didn't have any problems Okay. he was cleansing this other temple but then when he spoke to them about the temple it was, it, it was veiled to them. He was talking about his own body being the temple, being the house of God. He was talking about his own body being the house of God. Verse 22, Therefore, When Jesus had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he'd said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had said. Why? Because they understood that the Jews destroyed that body. You know, my body is subject to a lot of things, but I'm not. My soul is not. There is no denying that Jesus was consumed with zeal for the house of God. In fact, Jesus clearly pointed to the fact that his very own body was the true temple, the true house of God. And if men tore it down, he would restore it and raise it up. The Apostle Paul confirmed this concept that your, that, that your physical body... You see, they didn't kill Jesus' soul... Okay? They didn't destroy his spirit. They just killed his body. He was talking about the physical body that he had. Okay? When Paul was talking to us about our physical body, he said this in 1 Corinthians 6:19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Your body Your body now. Your body is now the temple of God. Wow. Jesus continued to reveal this truth all through his earthly life and ministry. Two years later at the same celebration of Passover. Just a few days, just less than a week before Jesus is crucified. Maybe... Maybe four days before Jesus is crucified. Five days maybe. Jesus says this in John the 14th chapter, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And me and my father will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. No wonder Jesus and God and the Word and the Holy Spirit are so interested in what we do and how we take care of ourselves. We're going to be talking about how to build better lives because it's our responsibility. I don't want Jesus having to, you know, come in here and start whooping me all around. I want to I wanna know how to build. I don't want to know just how to get rid of bad stuff. We, we're fighting some enemies. We've had a couple of good series on enemies and having faith in the face of things. But now we're going to change our focus. We, we know how to defeat the enemies. Let's turn now on how to build ourselves up. Let's turn now on how to build this temple of the Lord that He might inhabit us as a holy habitation together. That's what the Word said. We are built as a holy habitation. We are built as a habitation of the Lord. It says that in Ephesians 2.22, in each week, we're going to take what Proverbs 9.1 says. Are you ready? Proverbs 9.1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. That means that she has worked on. Hewn. She's taken something that was rough. She's taken something that was raw. She's taken something that was not in its best usable and best presentable form. And wisdom has worked on the pillars of her house. And she has set up seven pillars that are strong and will hold what they're designed to hold. Each week, we're going to take seven scriptures from the Word of God concerning these seven areas of our lives. And we're going to get the tools necessary. We're going to learn how to use these tools in our lives. And each week, there'll be seven that support you know, how we can build better habits. We've learned how to destroy bad habits. But that's only half the, half the work. we got to build something back in their place. Okay. Jeremiah, the word came to Jeremiah and God told him, I, I'm going to uh, teach you and you're, you're going to tear down and, and root out and destroy. And then you're going to plant and build. Okay. When, when the psalmist wrote Psalms 1, half of Psalms 1 is about negative purity. Things not to do. And then he talks about positive purity. Things to do. Negative purity. We've, we've been learning how to defeat the enemies. We need now to learn how to build and how to do positive. Amen? Yeah. Blesses is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. All those things. You know. And then it gets to the positive. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate day and night. Okay? There are things we shouldn't do. We've learned those. Now let's put into our life things we should do to build better, stronger, more godly relationships. To build better, stronger, more godly financial strength. Okay? Okay. God bless you. We're going to have a good time with this. Invite your friends and your family. And especially your enemies. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Hey remember something. You're a child of God. The devil can't do anything to you, okay? He cannot defeat you by conquest. Don't give him your consent.